Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by More Plumbing Supplies Bath and Kitchen Showplace. Billy, this is Jim. How can I help you? Jim, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'm having some severe plumbing problems at a house that I am renting. Um, it just last night I was up till about four o'clock bailing out a bathtub because it was backing up and there was no water running anywhere. Um, sometimes the sinks are slow to drain. Uh, toilets don't flush sometimes. Other times they do. Sometimes sinks drain well. Bathtubs don't drain, then they do. Um, I've poured uh, Max, the Drano Max down with all the drains. It has no effect. Yep. Is there? Do you have any ideas? Um, we've tried a small snake through the kitchen that did help some. Um but I'm thinking I'm going to have to have a professional come out with a larger snake, like a 75 or 100-foot rotor-rooter snake or something to come out. Well, if you weren't running any water at all and None. it's backing Zero. up that way, uh, and, and was it coming up fairly high in the in the bathtub? It almost filled the entire bathtub, and it was black as night. Billy, I got an answer for you. That music means we got to... I got to catch you right after the break. I'm going to put you on hold. And I'm telling sure. you, this is something that a lot of people can have happen to you. So if you if uh, you think you don't ever got to worry about this, you're going to find out you do. We'll be right back with more Texas Home Improvement. We were talking with Billy when we left. And oops, let me get that button push. There we go. Billy, yes. you know, the thing that can be causing the issue where you're getting, you got no water running. You got water coming up through the bathtub. It's all black that way. Now, obviously, if an air conditioning system was on, that can be pulling humidity out of the air, but that's not enough to fill the bathtub. Oh, no. Typically, what's causing the problem that you're having is typically the city's sewer line is plugged and backing up, and that's what's backing up into... There we go. Sorry about that. That's what's backing up into your bathtub, and this can happen to anybody's house. Here's the really bad part. When the city line plugs up, it's not just backing up your waste. It's backing up everybody else's as well. And that's why I say this is something that can happen to anybody's house that's on a city sewer line. Call the city of Pasadena. Let them come out. Snake that line. And I think you'll probably be fine. And it wouldn't surprise me if you got some neighbors having the same problem. Because what happens is wherever that plug is... Everybody who's upstream from that plug can have the same issue. Now, it could be that you're the first house from the plug, so it's happening at your house quicker, if that makes sense to you. Anyways, give the city a call. Let them come out and snake their line. Uh, you don't. I don't think you need to call a plumber at this point in time. Let's talk about heating systems for just a minute. Now, heaters have a flame in them and if you haven't had it checked yet and you've got a gas heat system I want you to think about it this way would you put a candle up in your attic close the attic door and just leave it up there burning because that's exactly what you're doing with a gas heating system and the reason it's important to get gas heating systems changed is be or ch checked out rather is because they've got that flame in there. That's where the heat comes from. If the pot gets a crack in it, 
those flames can get out and get into areas that burn. You've got to avoid that. So let's just take a look at and have our systems checked. That's the reason we're supposed to get our heating and air conditioning systems checked twice a year. Spring, in order to make sure that the air conditioning system is functioning the way it's supposed to. Fall, in order to make sure that heating system is functioning the way it's supposed to and that it's safe. And I just want to encourage everybody, if you haven't done it yet, to please get your heating system serviced and checked. It doesn't cost that much. And let me tell you, it can really save you a lot of headaches if something goes wrong. Daniel, thank you so much for calling. How can I help you? House and the the uh, they didn't tell me how to change the filter in it. It's got one of those one filters that are in the in the unit itself up in the attic. Uh huh. Do you happen to know where I would find that at? Okay, it's it's not. It sounds like you got a media filter up there. Because okay. uh, normally that's what's up in the attic, uh, which is usually going to be a, a thicker filter. And you're going to have to go up there and find out which one it is because the different systems use different sizes. And some of the brands even use, like Lennox has their own type of filter that you have to buy in order to put in it. Right, so, the, so how, do I, how do I get to it? Oh, that's where I was just going to go. If you'll go up into the attic, or I'm assuming your unit's in the attic, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Go up in the attic, and at the end of the unit where the air, you're going you're gonna to see a, uh, a door that's usually about anywhere from three to six inches wide. Okay. It's just going to be a little metal door that uh, has a little slide. You just lift it up, open it, and the filter will slide out of that little opening. Okay. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. And, and once you get up there and look at the unit, you'll be able to see it's it's typically going to be something that's separated from the unit, but it's right there on the end of it. Okay. Well, I appreciate it because I'm kind of ignorant about air conditioners, so I figured I'd call you. you. You'd probably give me a better direction to go than what I know. So. Oh, not a problem at all. And hey, look if you got if you got a problem finding it, when you're up there, snap a picture with your phone. Send it to okay. me, and I can probably point it out for you. Okay, great. I sure appreciate it. You bet, Daniel. Take care. I have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Jeff, this is Jim. How can I help you? Good afternoon. Uh, third, the house is 32 years old uh, on a slab foundation there. Three months ago, I started uh, having a moisture issue in just one corner of the slab of my home. Uh, coming up through the foundation, developing some efflorescence. Pulled the carpet out, you know, it's got the salt deposits and everything. I started investigating what the cause of it was. My surmise uh, is that several years ago I put above-ground pool, probably a little bit, uh, and I topped off the ground there, so it messed up the slope away from my home. So I removed the pool, put in some storm drains, so we won't have that problem and getting the slope corrected and everything. My question to you is, I'm still having moisture coming up. It's not coming up uh, out of the ground. You can't see it. But when I do the simple moisture test by putting, uh, like taping a plastic uh, piece uh-huh. of plastic down the ground, leave it for 24 hours, come back, there's still moisture. It's getting better. It's definitely better. My question to you, is there any way to speed up the process of getting that moisture dried up? That's trapped, obviously trapped underneath my foundation there. You know, the only way that you can speed it up would be to dig a, a deep hole and let the moisture that's in the ground 
travel to the hole. Water, okay. you know, water is going to seek level. And so the mm-hmm. hole becomes a sump pump that you can literally pump the water out. Okay. I will tell you that, what, what part of town is this in? Southeast Harris County. Okay. Um, you may or may not get it to stop the moisture completely. Uh, there's a lot of areas where uh, Kingwood is a good example. You, you're virtually always going to, if you take plastic down on that slab, almost always going to get moisture underneath it. Okay. There are just well, some areas it, it, that are it, prone it, to it. it. I put that simple test in multiple places in that room and everything. It's only right there in that one corner where I'm getting okay. it. Though. How long ago did you, did you change the drainage? Uh, just within the last 60 days. Okay. If it was me, I'd probably give it another 30 to 60 days before I start digging a pit to try to speed up the process. But if you do want to speed it up, that's what that's how you could do it. It's just and basically that's going to be a a dewatering pit is what it's going to be. Okay. Okay. So Thank I got to ask you, I got to ask you one question though cuz you yes, mentioned sir. you removed the pool in order to to do all this. Yes. Who it was, was above happy? ground pool. It was above ground pool and everything. Yeah, who was happier to get rid of the pool, you or your wife? Uh, probably my wife. There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the there's grandkids a, liked it. <laughs> yeah, but there's always somebody in the house who's ready to get rid of it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of work, even above ground. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Jeff, you have uh, a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for your time. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. I had an interesting project going where we're pouring some columns underneath a built house and real quick i'll I'll, I'll go through that story uh, because i didn't really go through it on the facebook live the house is built on a lake it's it's out in possum kingdom which is actually west of fort worth and it's it's high up they had to rebuilt this house they finished it in april and it had a, a large retaining wall behind it about 20 or 25 feet tall the people moved in April 1st. On April 2nd, there was a big rain. The retaining wall fell over. Took the dirt out from under the house, reaching back about 10 or 12 feet. And left the house just dangling out there on this bluff. Now, fortunately, the house has 30-foot deep drilled bell-bottom piers, 24-inch in diameter drill, drilled bell-bottom piers that went down into the limestone rock. So the house itself was fine, but when the wall fell down, they, would, they could see that on some of the beams, the rebar was hanging out the bottom. So the fact that the wall fell over, rebar's hanging down, now everybody starts questioning the building techniques or the building quality of the builder. So the engineers wanted to explore further on the beams under the house, so we went in and undermined a big chunk of the house, and the spans were wide enough between the piers that the engineers wanted to put some columns. So we dug down some shafts, made them four by four, four foot by four foot, poured a base pad 12 inches thick, and now we're coming up with concrete columns that are going to support between the piers in order to just make sure there's no sags in the beams and such. So that was one of the Facebook things I showed you, uh, Facebook Live uh, events. So we're going to use it just to show interesting projects like that. We're going to use it to show you quick tips on how to take care of some things like um, 
one that I know I'm going to be doing, probably not today, but going to be doing is, you hear me talk all the time when freezing weather comes in, how to cover the hose bib if you forgot to get the styrofoam caps to put on it. You can just take a towel, wrap it, put just a little bit of water on it. The water will freeze and a towel becomes an insulating factor and protects your hose bibs from freezing. Well, we're just going to, it's so easy with the Facebook Live to go live and show you how to do that. So those are the kind of things that you'll get when you like us on Facebook. John, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, Jim, I got a question for you. That uh, We had our kitchen uh, remodeled, and we put some wainscoting across the bottom on the inside, and this stuff has started puffing outward. And uh, I think there must be some moisture reaching it from the other side. And I've got uh, hardy plank on the other side, and I told our guys that uh, that that's uh, kind of leaks over there, and uh, and they put in... Uh, I think it was well, some kind of that uh, particle board, uh-huh. and and uh, and so unfortunately, I guess I'm going to have to come off with the hardy plank and do something with the particle board, either get rid of it or just put a sealant on it. I'm thinking about that sealant they have on TV, you know, that they put in the bottom of a boat. Oh yeah, yeah, that spray. Is that that'd be good? Well, there's other things you can do, but when you say that the uh, wainscot is buckling... Yeah, um, it's, it's puffing uh, outward into the kitchen. Yeah. You know, it may not be a moisture issue. Uh, one of the th- things that happens a lot of times when people put those wainscots in like that, they put them in too tight. The wood expands and contracts, and I have seen multiple times where they wedge that in there, and when it expands, it pops out because there's no room for the material to expand into the corners. So I might be able to just do a a replacement on that. uh, Check that out first, because if there's no moisture behind it, then more than likely that's all it is. Oh, that'd Uh, be great. The easiest way to check it is go ahead and pull the uh, corner beads off. And if, if they're tight all the way up to the wall, I'm betting that's all it is. Okay. All right. Well, I'll 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 give it a try. I think you might have saved me some money. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. You bet. Good luck, John. Bye. Let's talk with Nez. This is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. How you doing? All right. Sir, I have a question. I bought a one house, new house in 2004, and I'm living in this house. And just I noticed from almost like last year and this year, whenever the summer comes in summertime, it's a two-story house. And uh, on the second story, the closer door, it won't close fine, and there's a small crack at the top of it. On the winter time, they're very fine. They close normal. Like, you think I have a foundation problem or something? Well, it sounds like you're getting a little bit of foundation movement. Uh, yes, but the fact that at certain times of year it comes back up tells me that there's probably a cause of it, whether it's a tree taking moisture or the sun beating on the soil but that when moisture gets back in the soil, it expands and comes back up. So at this point, it sounds like it can be taken care of with maintenance rather than foundation repair. So you're, it's, you're catching it soon enough if you get those the maintenance stuff taken care of. What do I have to do for it? It's going to depend. Is there a tree on that side? No, there is no tree anything, sir. There's a neighbor okay. house, but yeah, there's no tree anything. 
then what I would tell you is give Due West a call. We'll come out, take a look, and give you all the maintenance issues that you may want to address. Whether you have Due West do it or you do it yourself, we actually have water and instructions and everything in our brochure to tell you how to do it yourself or if you want us to do it. But uh, get a professional out there to take a look at it. With this cold front, this is a time of year where most people quit watering their foundation. And let me tell you, you're making the biggest mistake of your life on foundation maintenance. You need a water year-round because in the winter months, you're playing catch-up from the summer and getting the soils ready for next summer. And they're already talking that it may be a, a normal to below normal rainfall next year. So by all means, keep the watering going year-round. Soaker hoses, 12 to 18 inches away from the foundation. Bury them 2 to 8 inches in the ground when, when you've got time because that way you're not moving them when you mow and stuff. And give it water twice a day. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon or evening. The whole purpose is to allow that moisture to soak deep down in the ground. And I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, you don't need a water. They're dead wrong. I make a very good living out of people who didn't water foundations properly. A little bit of water daily. Once a week is not often enough. And if you're giving it so much water that it runs off, you're wasting the water. The soils will only absorb about an eighth of an inch of water an hour. That's why you got to put it on a timer where you give it just a little bit twice a day. And one of the key things to making the soaker hoses work properly is a pressure reducer or regulator. City pressure comes in between 50 and 80 PSI. You want to get it down to where you're in the 10 to 20 pound range. Uh, now the soaker hoses, they come with that little disc, that little plastic plug that has just an eighth inch hole in it. Throw that thing out, put that pressure regulator. That'll balance out the soaker hose where you get the same amount of water throughout the hose instead of a bunch at the beginning of the hose and nothing at the end. And if you'll do that, you'll avoid most foundation problems. Now, other things that can still cause a problem are trees. And if, you, if you've got a lot of trees on the property, or any tree actually, by putting in the soaker hose, you can cause it to start growing its roots towards the home because there's moisture there. So you may have to do a root barrier as well in order to keep the tree from coming that direction. But the other thing to do is water your trees on the opposite side of the house. In other words, go to the other side of the tree from the house and deep root water over there to train the tree to grow that, or to, to get its moisture from that direction to help protect your foundation. Right now we're talking with Matt Latham of US Tree Care. I had a question as far as, can you stop acorns from growing on an oak tree? You know, that's, a, that's kind of a fun one actually is, we can. Uh, and let really? Me say, oh, is, absolutely. Is, and this is really kind of neat is trees are very, very similar to human beings, right? So everything that grows on, on us as people is driven by hormones, you know, pituitary gland, things like that. And the same goes with trees, right? So uh, those acorns are actually produced because there's a chemical, re or excuse me, there's a production and a release of hormones from the root system that goes up and tells them to start growing acorns.
So we have some really cool, we call them tree growth regulators out there, or plant growth regulators, that we can use to literally stop the production of that, of that growth hormone, which will stop the production of the acorns. Now, that being said, it's kind of tough to get it perfect. There's, there's two ways to get it. One is the pretreatment in the spring, which is going to give you about a 50 to, 50 to 80% reduction in acorns but not 100%. And the other way is you want to catch it right as those new buds are breaking for the, uh, are beginning to form for the, for the acorns. And, if, and it's about a week-long period. So I usually recommend just, you know, hey, get the reduction in acorns and, uh, and do it in the spring. That way you're guaranteed the results because if you miss that window, it's, it's completely ineffective. Yeah. Right, right. Now, is it very expensive? Uh, it's really not. Uh, most tree care companies, depending on each tree, you should be looking at somewhere between, you know, a couple hundred and three hundred dollars just for the for the spray. The the only caveat there is it is a an annual treatment. It does not stay within the tree and last for several years. You have to do it annually if you want to keep the results up. Okay, great, great. Anything's better than nothing. It's exactly right. <laughs> if you can get rid of fifty or even eighty percent. You know, then then that's that's pretty good. That's that much less you have to rake up. If what was the name of the product? Uh, let me verify that. I'm drawing a blank here. Give me one second. Sure. If we have a second. <laughs> yeah, we got a quick second. Awesome. And it's okay, Matt. I have those same problems sometimes. Right. <laughs> I do my best to uh, know everything, and then I realize I'm human again. Uh, there's there's a couple. Of, one of them is Florel. Okay. And uh, the brand, or excuse me, the actual chemical is Ethephon, E-T-H-E-P-H-O-N. And you do have to have a Texas Department of Agriculture pest, uh, structural pest control license to, to, to purchase it. So your best bet's obviously to find uh, find a good arborist out there that, that can take care of it. No, I do appreciate it very much. You bet, Mark. Thank you. Like if you're wanting a clubhouse or treehouse, what would be the best tree for that? And do y'all take care of that? Will y'all come out and plant those for us if we need those? You're talking about a tree house? Yeah, if you need a tree for that purpose, I know you can buy bigger trees, but I'm thinking in the long run, I have younger children, um, and I want something to be planted that they can enjoy later in life right? as like maybe a tree house or clubhouse. What would you suggest in our area? Oh, man, your red oaks are going to be great. Burr oaks are going to be amazing trees. They, they do have a thicker bark, so it's, it's going to be a little more difficult to, uh, to install the treehouse, which is, a, you know, you're talking uh, something that I, I just kind of became passionate about, which is treehouses. But, yeah, your oaks are going to be great. You want to avoid trees like hackberries and things like that. But if you're planting something, uh, chances are you're not, you're not going to have to worry about that. Uh, oaks, like I said, cedar elms are going to be great trees as well. Um, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot that work really, really well here, but if you stick to the oaks, um, if you want something lower, a live oak would work great. If you want something higher up in the tree, a red oak or a bur oak would be fantastic. Um, and then cedar elms, again, are, are great, great trees. They, they grow really tall, so you should have uh, plenty, plenty to work with there. All right, sir. Thank you very much for your time. I will give you a call personally. You bet. Thanks, Willis. We all want to put up Christmas. Well, I shouldn't say we all want to put up Christmas lights. A lot of us are made to put up Christmas lights for the holidays. But should you staple them to the house? And the answer is absolutely no. Every time you staple, you're puncturing the paint. The paint is a protective coating on the house. If moisture gets behind it, 
that's what causes the paint to start to peel. So when you use a staple gun and you pop those two little holes in there, you've now created a trough where moisture can get behind. Now, is it instantly going to cause the paint to peel off? Absolutely not. It's one of those things that builds with time. A better way to do it, let's face it, most of us put our lights up around the top anyways. They make clips that can either hang on the gutter or slide up under the shingles. Doesn't damage the shingles at all. They're reusable. I've been using the same batch for about five years now. It costs, I can't remember, if, if you get a box of 50 or a box of 100 for about 4 bucks. So it's not very expensive. You can reuse them year after year. It's real easy to put the lights up, but even easier to take them down. And you don't have to go behind pulling out all the staples that you only pulled one side loose. You don't have to worry about the staple going into the wire and causing a short. None of that stuff happens with these plastic clips. They work great. And like I said, they're extremely affordable. So I want to encourage everybody, quit stapling the lights up through your paint. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.